All right, today's guest is TJ Brubaker. You guys might remember him from the Big Buck Contest episode. He was in here with Chris Reynolds. Uh, we talked a lot about his filming and guiding career when he was out west and his 14 years experience being a western hunting consultant. So uh, he just started his own business called Networking the Outdoors. We talked a lot about that um, and had a good time. So without further ado, please give it up for our guest, TJ Brubaker. Angles and look at the camera. Then you're looking at a spot, like not even at the camera, you know, like off screen. And you did a lot of filming and and guiding and stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's I was kind of curious to that is like, which one did you do first? Did you start with the filming? And I, I started with the filming, and then it sort of transitioned over into some guiding. So just kind of like fed the way you learned everything through the the filming process and got the ball rolling. Yeah. I mean, this one of those uh, interests, you know, trying to chase the dream to be outside as much as possible what what did you start filming first my um my first filming gig was uh, jimmy houston filming him down in florida for an episode really that's the fisher guy right yep <laughs> i grew up without cable if you can't tell <laughs> <laughs> he was on sunday mornings bert you didn't need cable Yep. oh uh, like old pbs i don't I, I was like three i don't know i remember the show i don't remember the channel buddy <laughs> he's the one that would always kiss the fish Okay, okay, I got you, that guy. Blonde hair. So how'd you get hooked up with him? Through um, where I went to video school, outdoor video school. There's an actual school for that. I mean, there's, like, I wouldn't call it a school school. They actually produced several different hunting shows. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they just started offering a outdoor videography show. Same guys that, uh, I, I don't know if they still produce it or not, but was it Mich- not Michigan Outdoors? Who's the two brothers from Michigan? No, no those from are Michigan. from uh, Abbott. The Abbott brothers. They used to have their show, Greg Abbott. and Oh, okay. They're big into okay. turkey hunting. Yeah. They, they make some turkey product. A-Way Outdoors. I don't know if it's still going or if they're just showing reruns, but I've definitely seen that yeah. recently on the Outdoor Channel. So that was like one of the ones. They're producing a lot. I'm trying to think their biggest one they're producing now. It's another couple brothers, but they go out west. They did like Alaska Dropped or Uncharted. Okay, but they're they're producing some pretty big show outdoor shows now. Nice, Man, just, and they're out of up by Novi, Michigan. I'm not sure if they're still doing the outdoor school thing or not. Let, let's let's do the the Michigan thing where I, I don't know where Novi over is. by over by Detroit. Oh, okay, so you know over by the thumb. Yep. What's the difference between that's that videographer school compared to do they have a normal videographer school? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they have a film school. Yeah. I mean, so the videographer school. Is there a black couch involved? <laughs> Not the one I want to see. I'm sorry. The last if, episode was clean. Anybody <laughs> laughing at that, you're all going to hell too. But yeah, I mean, the videographer school, you know, it shows you if you don't know how to run a camera, they have different levels, how to run the camera, and then certain shots, you know, you, you should be aiming for to produce a hunting show, write a script, make sure you're getting all your B-roll, all that stuff. So this is back in the day of like tape, not like the digital. So you weren't yeah. always rolling, right? So right, uh, fishing shows, filming some fishing shows ruined it for me. So really? like when you back in the day when you'd see him set the hook, mm-hmm. most of the time they were snagged. Are you serious? Yeah. So he's like, "Hey, I'm sna- here. I'm going to set the hook," and then you know they do a cutaway to another one. But you're only running one camera angle usually. Um, either in the boat or another follow boat. So that takes some serious editing then. Well, back then, I mean, you only... Chop it at least. Well, a lot of the shows and photo shoots, several guys will go out and catch a bunch of big fish. And they'll have what they call a fish boat. 
and they'll take them out of someone else's live well, hook it up, kind of let them go, and plagiarize that they caught it. So dirty. <laughs> so dirty. That part I'm not a fan of. The setting the hook and then cutting to actually fighting a fish, I get that because the tape. Right. I, I mean, it sucks, but I understand. But think about it. It's so funny to think about because – you know those old 90s, early 90s, like late 80s, right? When they're setting And just to know it's a damn stick. <laughs> they reel down. Whop. Well, I mean, even uh, some of the early, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Well, I don't know how far in 2000 shows. If you watch some of those, like even the tape. So some of those guys would have multiple cameramen out with different hunters. And so the actual TV hunter might not have shot one of those deer. You know, you can see all of a sudden fletchings are different, you know, because they accidentally catch the other guy's fletching in some B-roll, and then it cuts away to, you know, the, the pro the pro hunter or whatever, and it's... The face of the show had to be the one that shot it. Well, I mean, what what do you think would drive somebody to, to think that people would want to see that as opposed to the real experience? I mean, they were just doing it to get footage, you know, make their sponsors happy, make that paycheck. I, I guess. I just, I mean, maybe I'm... Different, but I feel like you know the shows I like are, for instance, Meat Eater. He goes out, doesn't shoot anything. You're entertained for the entire episode, which is what 22 minutes long. Uh, so if you looked at like uh, deer hunting videos and shows have changed, you know, it used to be this about shooting big bucks. You know, there wasn't really much the over the shoulder, kill over shot. the shoulder kill shot. Um, you know, not much Fist educational pump. purpose. You know, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, we all we've all watched them. I do. You know? We have, but I'm glad it's changed. I mean, you look at the the DIY guys that go out. They record their hunt and put it on YouTube. Like a dude sitting in a tree stand with a GoPro mount on a shooting rail, reaching over and shooting a doe. Like that's way better in my opinion. You get to watch the deer walk in real close, see him draw in the side view. Like I feel like the filming game has come. A long way as you know, like you said, like with the smartphone, I think it's almost kind of like ruined that show as po in the in the respect that you know everybody can do it now. You know what I mean? It's not it's not so rare to get that really cool, like somebody filming you getting the shot. And how many people have screwed up chances on big bucks or any animal just because they were trying to get the shot? Mm -hmm. You know, and why? I mean, I, I personally, when I watch somebody's self shot hunt or whatever. I'm not really that impressed. Like, it's cool, you know, but it's usually, you know, not really edited or anything. So it's like you're just watching 30 seconds of nothing, and then a deer walks in, and then it's 30, 40 seconds before shoot. By then, I've already gone to the next video, you know what I mean? Well, you have ADD, so. Yeah, so I, I'm different. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I don't know. I, I've never really been into the, the filming thing. Everybody that's, like, into into the outdoors, I feel like, or at least in the, the guys that are really big in the whitetail, at least at yeah. some point have thought, like, we should start filming our hunts. Or, you know, even if they haven't tried to do it, they've at least thought about doing it. I mean, I, I got into it filming my own uh, stuff, or me and a buddy was doing it um, here local, but uh, it something to show, improve it, some of the stuff you've seen. And then, it, mm -hmm. to me, it also added another challenge. Yeah. I feel I like it's, yeah. like you said, with the show, what you've seen and whatnot, it's not necessarily the deer that you shot, because you shot it. You have proof. Mm -hmm. Right. It's all the other stuff, like, the the cool things you get on trail camera that you don't always save or lose on a memory card like I, a couple of years ago i got uh <clears throat> i got a fawn nursing on trail camera how often do you see something like that 
that's why trail cameras are awesome. You know, they snap those pictures where like you or I wouldn't think to snap a photo, you right? Know, or mean, be quick enough, you know. You got mom and baby walking around on the field. You're probably not going to have a phone out or a camcorder or anything. You're just like, ah, it's a doe. You were you going somewhere with that? That I already missed your point. I was no. Around. It's like like he was saying with uh, to prove what you've seen and whatnot, not necessarily what you've shot, but to show the whole experience of the hunt, rather than mm-hmm. like these old school hunting shows would cut to the big buck walking in and then somebody shoots it and oh big buck down like that's what they were early 2000s i, I guess late I, 90s yeah for sure and and i still like watching shows like that when it comes to other things that you know i'm not familiar with i guess well you it, know like, dude i grew up watching like uh marty stauffer mm-hmm. i have no idea who that is like the original beard of the outdoor television. He wasn't a hunter. He was like the the all American naturalist. Just loved nature and animals. Went and played with brown bears and stuff. Like uh, Sunday morning PBS specials we were talking about. Oh yeah, like a, on zero to ten scale, like zero being Mister Rogers, ten being Ted Nugent. Where was he? So zero is Mister Rogers. <laughs> so what is Jack Hanna like a five? Jack Hanna be a good middleman, yeah. Um, I would say he's probably a, a strong three. Strong three? Yeah. Well, like I said, he's not, he wasn't a hunter. He would, That's just the outdoor experience where it showed all of nature. Right, right. So, yeah, anyway, man, you, you uh, changing gears. Yeah, I'm sorry about the sidetrack. <laughs> right, right. So, you did the filming game, and you did all the editing too, right? I or, did some editing. Of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I Nothing that was ever, I mean, so we put out some turkey DVDs and whatnot, but uh, anything that was going to be on air on TV, like I might help just, you know, cut and paste and stuff, but adding all the graphics and, you know, the like Adobe After Effects and all that, it wasn't. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's not me. Yeah, I'm not really good at it, <laughs> as you guys could probably <laughs> tell. I'm pretty sure this is going to be screwed up one way or another. The last one, the timing was so screwed up low budget productions yeah and it's just time consuming that's why when you when you told me you were into that i'm like man the, the filming of the hunt i mean no i started off on the fishing side but i did tons of tons of hunting okay i just i just god I, can you imagine being the hunter and then like having it lined up and knowing you need to take the shot but having to wait stop well, turn you around can, you like can you hear them so, I mean, yeah, the cameraman's the ones that really make or break a show, mm-hmm. making sure they get all the shots that they need, um, you know, during the downtime, you know, they call it B-roll, but, you know, getting out of the truck, hooking up the release, you know, climbing up the tree stand, birds, squirrels, you know, flying in. They're the ones that are telling the story, you know, with the lens, so to speak. So, you, you did the guiding thing for a while. Yep. Um and then now your your business is networking the outdoors, which yep. you you are a Western hunting consultant. Correct. So how did you end up in that gig? So I've been doing that, getting you know taking people, getting people involved in it out west, um, getting because if you're just doing one state one hunt, you know it's not that difficult. But if you want to have a long long term hunting goal, you know you got to have a plan. Um, and so you know I had. I've always had people like, oh, you should be doing this. You should be doing this, you know. So this one time decided like, okay, fine. We're going to make it official. Nice. And so how many states have you personally hunted in? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming most of them. Uh, yeah. Out west. Uh, I mean, I'm not. It'd be easier. I've not hunted any of the west coast. So Washington, Oregon, California. And I've not hunted Arizona. 
uh, but pretty much any other Western states well, I've well, hunted in. But would you still be able to help somebody else? Out oh, yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm building, so right now I'm building points in Arizona. I'm just waiting mm-hmm. to get enough points to get a tag I want. Roosevelt elk? No, Arizona's Rocky Mountain. Is it? Yep. Where are the Roosevelt's out? New Mexico? No. That's up, they're up in uh, Washington and Oregon. Oh, geez. Complete opposite. So the, the, the Roosevelt's are the biggest ones, right? They're the biggest ones, right. yeah. They're, they live in that, that rainforest type stuff. Okay. What ones am I thinking of then? Isn't there a southern subspecies? Well, California has some tule elk. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where else the tule are. God, how many subspecies are there total? Just three. Just three. Just three. I have shot zero of the three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Willie's trying to get one out in uh, Wyoming right now, so. Yeah, Aaron struck out, unfortunately. Yeah, hopefully he can get one and we can have him back on and. Figure out what the whole, like, guiding experience was from his perspective. Did you ever guide for elk? Yeah. So, how many elk have you killed? I've only killed one. I've only been elk hunting myself once with a tag. So, I did over-the-counter archery in Utah. Nice. DIY? Yep. And And you scored? Yep. Shot 300 inch 6x7. Nice. So, that's why he was a guide, because it only took one try. Right, that was more, well, that's impressive. That's <laughs> that was impressive. more luck than anything, but that was yeah, that was a long time ago. I got a Colorado bull tag this year, so I got a good tag. I'm second right, second rifle. Okay, nice. How many uh, elk hunts have you guided? You think? Do you think? I've not guided a ton of elk hunts, more mule deer and antelope. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, a dozen, dozen. Elk hunts. So were you living out there and guiding, or were you traveling back and traveling back and forth? I mean, I'd stay out there for a season, mm. or, you know. During, oh, that'd be cool, and then come back. Would you be well, like September, basically to September, October, depending? Yeah, nice. So, being a guide, I'm sure it's got to be frustrating when you have clients that uh, I don't want to say don't listen, but I guess there's no better way to say it. Just don't want to listen to what you have to say. Did you ever run stubborn, into that stubborn yeah. clients? Oh, yeah. I mean, you run into that probably anywhere, you know, every outfitter, every guy's got that issue, you know. I kind of had the rule, you know, don't guide the guide. You know, you can have, you know, make suggestions, we'll listen, but if you've never been to that area, you know, and you don't really know what's going on, then, you know, it's best to listen to somebody that's got the experience there. Yeah. Not that, no, but not that, you know, there's not been good suggestions and we, we try it. And it worked, you know, sometimes it works out, but I mean, the worst is, yeah, the guys that think it's going to be a cakewalk or like out West that show up not in shape. I was going to say, that's got to be like the second worst thing. Yeah. Like them showing up and not being able to keep up. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's good because it's easier on, you know, it's easier on the guide, but it's frustrating, you know, when you're trying to cut distance and. Well, you want to get them on an animal, especially like right. for antelope, you're walking a lot. Yep. You know. I mean, elk is the same way. I mean, you're glassing quite a bit more, I feel like, but you still got to get to where It depends on the country. Yeah, it depends on the country you're hunting in season. So we cover a lot more ground archery hunting because, you know, we're usually, you're hunting during the rut, mm-hmm. so we're a lot more aggressive. So you're just covering ground, covering ground. So since uh, you mentioned last time you were here with Chris that you're not heading out west this year? No, I am. Oh, oh, you are? Yep. I got a Colorado uh, bull elk tag um, for the second rifle season, and then I have a Wyoming cow elk tag, a late season tag. 
Um, and then my uh, 16-year-old's got a South Dakota deer tag. Oh, wow. So I got a busy fall. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say. I, so. I, I, I still make it. Um, I still go out west. It was the Two anal- or three times. Ana- was- antelope. I'm not. This is the first year in like 10 years I'm not antelope hunting. That's what it was. I knew it was something. So I, on the antelope subject, I was talking to my brother when he was on his drive out there. And he said he saw like a third of what he normally does population wise. Yeah. Wyoming numbers are way down. They're down. I was out in Wyoming last year um, and they were down and then they're still down. Um, some areas have started to rebound, but um, a lot of areas that, that they've cut, they cut ta- a lot of tags last year and cut it. Even more tags this year. Does that have anything to do with why you're not going out there, or was it just um, happenstance? Part, part of the reason. Um, so I have a group that I was supposed to take out this year, um, but I told them with the t- with the numbers down and them cutting tags, um, I like to have a. I mean, I still would have went if we would have drawn, but um, when I'm making my plans, I, I kind of like to have a sure thing. Yeah. And the one unit we were looking at going, I think they cut like three or four hundred tags out so it'd be it'd be iffy you know because mm-hmm. i i look at the draw odds and it's like yeah we might draw um you know there's still a good chance that we could draw but um so we we decided to pass on it so those draw odds like so they change every year right yep so how like based on the year before like how does that affect your plan for the year so i'll, I'll look back you know, sometimes three, four, five years mm. uh, on the trends. Um, see if we can see a pattern. Um, look, I look and see if they're increasing tag numbers or decreasing tag numbers. Um, so, like with that, um, I was going to take my son. Well, my son, we ended up uh, choosing South Dakota, but him and his grandpa was going to take him to Wyoming. Um, and I was looking at two units. Well, the one unit we we're going to draw, they cut like. It was it's a low uh, tag quota unit, but they cut like fifty percent of the tags. I was like, okay, well that one's out. Um, we're not going to draw that tag. And I was looking at another one. I'm like, we should draw this one. Well, they added three hundred tags this year to that unit, so it would have been a sure thing. But I wanted a more you know enjoyable hunt, so I didn't want to go hunt somewhere where now there's possibility of three hundred more people running around in one unit. So we elected to skip the uh, Wyoming mule deer this year. Right, and in, in certain parts, like, isn't access more of a problem yep. than others? Yeah, and so that's one of the reasons, you know, I started uh, networking the outdoors is there There was, I mean, there's still tags you can just buy and go, like, over-the-counter tags. Um, some of them are, you know, they're getting more and more uh, harder hunts because it's getting harder to get other tags. Um, so, like, there's very, there's, I don't know, Wyoming, there was several units that you could just, you know, get second choice tag mm-hmm. um and there's still units that you can get your first choice with zero points but it's almost all private land because outfitters have leased up you know you used to be able to just buy a tag go out there buy a tag knock on some doors you know throw a farmer 100 to 500 bucks for a trespass fee and you know get access to thousands and thousands of acres well there's still some of that out there but it's non-existent and the and a lot of the guys that have found that they just go every year. So they have it locked up, you know, they leave the farmer mm-hmm. deposit or whatever for next year. And so it's getting harder and harder, you know, and that's where, you know, I tell friends and stuff like, if you want to go, you got to start getting points. Yeah. My good. So we went over by Gillette, Wyoming. Yep. When we went, how familiar are you with that area? 
Yeah. Yeah, I've hunted in that area and yeah. guided in that area. That's that's like for Wyoming, that Gillette Casper area, mm-hmm. especially Gillette, that's like the antelope capital of the country. It was fun. Yeah, it's it was it wasn't as flat as I imagined antelope country being. I remember when we, we pulled up to our spot and I'm like, this is well, even when it looks flat out there, it's all rolling and it's deceiving. Oh yeah. I remember the depth perception being totally screwed up out there. Yep. Do you got to like readjust every time you go back out? Yeah. I mean, I still second guess some of my yeah. ranges, you know, You're like, oh, it can't be that far. It's got to be farther <laughs> than that. You right. Know? Yeah. For those of you who haven't experienced that, it's crazy because there's no, no, nothing to compare to. I mean, there's no trees. There's no, there's nothing. Yeah. Just rolling flat hit or bald hills. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Montana. How much time have you spent in Montana? Um, not as much as I'd like. No. Um, I've chased antelope there. Um, I'm building points for deer, elk, deer and elk, um, and antelope. Uh, they kind of pissed me off this year, so um, readjusting my elk game. Um, so they they're a state that has a limited entry and then a general tag. Um, so the you get bonus points towards the limited entry tag and then preference points for the general. Well, two years ago, I think it was about two years ago, they changed the rules on the on the general where um, once you had two points, you had to draw a tag by your third point or you'd lose them. Um, and then this year, what where they kind of pissed me off is, uh, well, I'm not the only one. This year they changed it where, so you used to could just buy a point. And so, like, I like to be prepared where I'm going, so I I build points up so I have enough, and then I can go. Mm-hmm. Even if I have more than enough, you know, that way I can go on my schedule. Um, this year, they changed it where um, if you don't apply, you lose your point. And they added an outfitter point this year. So if you're going outfitted, you get an extra point going into the draw. That Josh. seems like cheating. I... <laughs> All the DIY guys are kind of getting screwed on that one, and and the way they do the way they do their draw in Montana is it's kind of weird. So you'd think with it being preference points, like Colorado, it's a true preference point state. Whoever has the most points gets the tax. Well, they do. I think eighty percent of the uh, tags go you know go to the highest preference point, but then the t- remaining twenty, like you have almost the way it's historically been, you have better chances of drawing. In that twenty percent with zero points, than you do with one point. But then, what's frustrating? So, what another thing's frustrating with Montana is if you want a limited entry tag, you have to apply for the general tag and your limited entry tag. You have to draw the general. Then, once you draw the general, now you go into the pool for the limited entry tag. If you don't draw the limited entry, you still have your general tag. Well, if you don't want to go hunt a general unit, they'll, say, they'll well, we'll give you 80% of your money back. 80%. Yep. So when did this start happening in Montana? The you lose your points if you don't apply just started happening this year. <clears throat> and for the general tag and you draw your general and then you go. That's, and that's been the rules for forever. Yeah. Well, okay. as long as I can think. For, and a lot of guys have quit applying because of that rule. Just yeah. trying to make sure that it didn't start going downhill as soon as everybody from California moved in. <laughs> no, I don't think. Well, I, I lost my Montana mule deer point. 
I think we talked about that before. Yeah, because you didn't know about the every year. Yeah, I had no idea. Well, I'm sorry, Bobby, my brother, who pretty much he he's our Western hunting consultant, our own personal one, uh, for our little group that goes, and he knew that, but I they switched the dates, right? Is am I correct on that? They might have switched, yeah, without looking at my notes because it can change from year to year. Yeah, he's like, well, I would say it's time to go get our point, but you know. We can't. We both need to still do that for mm-hmm. Wyoming. I figure we'll just sit down and do it together. Yeah, I got to find my damn number because mm-hmm. it was saved on my phone. But th- th- that that shit's confusing. So you know, that's it another, really is. And that's, so that's another reason I do what I do is, you know, I do the application side of things too where I, I'll handle all the application, you know, create a hunting plan or a goal, future goal, what you want to hunt. Right. Uh, you know. And then um, we talk about that first, and then we we discuss states and options. Um, but then um, if a person wants to, I'll handle all the application sides so you don't miss deadlines. And when rules change, you know, since I'm already applying applying and building points in most of the states. Just makes sense to. I, I, yeah, I'm already, yeah, I'm up to date on it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the biggest reason why people don't take the step to do the you know diy western hunt because i've known quite a few guys throughout my life that you know they've always wanted to do it and they're not getting any younger and they still haven't done it well there's a scare factor to it when you don't know i mean it's it's not a super hard complicated process but when you look at all the different rules and regulations and the steps to get into it it's intimidating it really is like even like uh shit pick any of them states Right, you I know, mean, they're you, all you, different. Yeah, you go to the you go to the fishing game website, like us. Sorry, this keeps sliding on. Like us from uh, Michigan and Indiana, our stuff's pretty simple. There's a couple species we can hunt. Michigan, I feel like, is a little bit more complicated than Indiana, even. Um, Only because of black bear, really. black bear, and we get we do have elk, but eh, it, we, okay, yeah, you see what I mean though. Yeah, like when you look I, at the website, but like if you if you go on any of those out western states, it's like. You got mule deer, whitetail, black bear. There's yeah, different seasons. Oh my, yeah, different seasons with different weapons. Yeah, it's it's insane. And in, in some units, I mean, some units have special regulations. Yeah, inside the state. It, so, <laughs> I want to get into this. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump right into it. Uh, corner crossing. Before we do that, can I sidetrack you for a hot second? Are prairie dogs still considered a nuisance in most of those states? Yeah. So you you might have to buy, uh, depending on the state. I'm not just like a general hunting license or a small game license. Yeah. Yeah. So say somebody wants to take a trout fishing trip out to, you know, Colorado, Idaho, Wyoming, somewhere in that area, they could just potentially buy a general tag for prairie dog whenever and start picking them off. Or yep. So now would that be qualify as a uh, a license? So isn't isn't Colorado one of the states you have to buy a license in order to buy a point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just changed that a couple of years ago. So that really screwed up things. Um, the reason I say it screwed up things is because before, um, so some states you have to front the tag fee up front. Some you don't. You only have to pay the application. Um, Colorado is one of those ones where you had to pay for the tag up front. You know, and if you didn't, if you weren't drawn, you got your point. Well, once they made it where, hey, if you just buy this 80 some dollar license, you can buy a point. 
for nine, ten bucks. Well, now it's all of a sudden a lot cheaper and feasible, more feasible, you know, for people instead of putting out six hundred bucks. So, that okay, that actually makes a little bit more sense. The way I understood it was, it was still whatever it was for a point fifty bucks or whatever. Then plus you had to buy the license. No, so Colorado, it's you can buy a small game or a fishing combo. I can't remember which one. One of them, one of the two cheapest ones. The fishing is like sixty bucks. That's the cheap one. Yeah, you buy that non-resident, and then it's like nine bucks or nine something a species. Oh, so that's not terrible for for your normal. Now, if you want to get into moose or sheep or mountain goat, I think it's a hundred bucks a point for those. Yeah, I'm trying to. So I think he was putting in for elk. So what would that be? Nine something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like with me, um, so me and my son, we're, we're building points for, for at least deer, elk, and antelope in Montana, Colorado, Wyoming, Arizona, Utah. For, yeah. So five states, we're building deer, elk, and antelope points. And then uh, some of the other ones that there's no, we still apply in New Mexico. There's no points. It's, uh, it's just a lottery. Everybody has the same odds in new mexico um and then we're building points for uh deer in uh south dakota uh elk in pennsylvania moose in maine and what else we got buffalo in uh utah that'd be cool all right i want to talk about annual cost but i want to go back to corner crossing before we get there so what's what's your take on that dude because you, you, I'm sure you heard about the case oh, that yeah. just went down in yeah. Wyoming, right? Yep, in yeah. Wyoming. Yep. You want to talk about that a little bit and kind of sure. refresh our listeners? Um, so, yeah, there's Meat Eater has, I think, well, there's several different places that have a lot of good stories. But I can't remember the number of millions of acres of public land that, you know, taxpayers own it that are landlocked. Can't get to it. Can't get to it. Um, the corner crossing thing. I mean, I can see both sides of it. Like me, I'm going to take every advantage I can. So, if you know, if it's legal, I'm not going to get a ticket. I'll probably do it. Um, I can also see the landowners, you know, where you're going to get lazy people that aren't going to go to the corner and cross. Um, but, yeah, it's we have to, we need to figure out a way to get access to a lot of these a lot of this land, you know, that is landlocked. Um, the corner crossing thing. So what what did that what did that case do for the corner crossing situation? Well, it, one. So anytime anything goes public, it brings a lot of awareness to it, which is good and bad. Mm. So the bad is now you're going to have a lot more people trying it, you know, because they think, well, these guys didn't get in trouble. I'm not going to get in trouble. Um, I think. The and some of it out in Wyoming specifically, um, it's the county, um, the county sheriffs dictate a lot of that if it, if they're going to prosecute for trespassing or not. Like some counties, they don't care. Other ones, you know, they care more, and it could be you know larger ranches. You know, maybe they have some more financial influence mm-hmm. in what some of the rules are type deal. Um, but. Yeah, you don't own you don't own the airspace, right? Which they're trying to you know, and you're going to get ranchers that are going to go in and make it where it's near impossible, you know, 
to corner cross. So even if it's legal and you can't get in trouble, they're going to go and, you know, put big tall fence posts in some fence. You know, all you got to do is go so far where you can't get a ladder up and over that fence or you're not going to carry, you know, to where you can actually cross that corner. And why do you think they care so much about space that's not taking, it's not theirs? Control. Property value. Hmm. I I guarantee it's property value. A lot of that land's not worth that much. I mean... But if you have exclusive access. hunting rights to it, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how are, there's got to be guys that are like you know outfitting out of their place. Yeah, um, Southwestern. I mean, the Red Desert. Um, is you know in Wyoming, it's got the biggest antelope running around. Uh, are the most majority of the big. I mean, there's big antelope in every unit in Wyoming, but. Most of your record book antelope come from the Red Desert Southwest area, which is checkerboard from the old railroad. I mean, that's where it came from was old railroad um, companies. Um, basically, that was uh, incentive for the the government uh, incentivized them. So what, just to be clear, so when you say checkerboard, you mean there's a lot of private land? Yeah. So a checker. So we call it checkerboard. So basically, um, if you look at a checkerboard, uh, you know, you got red and black. Mm-hmm. And they're not all in a line. Right. So the red, let's just call the red private land. The black is public land. And it's landlocked. And it's landlocked. So unless you are corner crossing, yeah, there's no way to access it. Now, I I know Wyoming has uh, like a HAP program type deal, right? Where the farmers can, they get a kickback from the state allowing access to Yeah, they have, um, so there's a couple, Wyoming has a couple different programs. One of them's uh, hunter access program. Um where they just give anybody can basically well it's up to the landowner they can make it where you still have to apply to get a landowner or permission slip for that um but basically they yeah they get a kickback from the state um up a tax break um there's other programs where um landowners call them say hey we'll let people hunt our property just have them call you know blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. and then um on wyoming you have a, a landowner kill tag uh, part of your part of your tag, they have a landowner thing. So if you went and shot this antelope on private property, you can take that voucher off. You know, fill it out, when, you know, date of your kill, and give it to the landowner. They can turn it in. I don't know how much money they get, but they get some money back from the state for allowing the hunters to access that property. So I mean, sounds awesome, right? You would think they'd all jump on board, but but if they're making you know more than enough money off of you know either cattle or if they have oil. Then they don't, you know, they don't care. Well, even, and just people knocking on doors, I feel like would be. Well, I mean, know, here's a hundred bucks. Here's five hundred bucks. Let me hunt this. Well, and I think that's why a lot of the outfitters leased up so much land. You know, if you imagine. So, back when I started going out west hunting out there, you know, internet was around, but it's not. You know, you didn't have all the forums. Facebook wasn't there. You know, type deal. Couldn't hop on and Google and find all the information right where in the people world. are listing landowners that allow trespass fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, not to skip off Wyoming, but so for instance, North Dakota just changed their rules. Uh, North Dakota had a law where um, any private land you could hunt on unless it was posted. Like you didn't even have to ask. So if you didn't want somebody hunting your property, um, you had to post your property. You know, you had to post it. And main thing was because people were tired of, you know, it's turkey season. Hey, you got a, you know, hundred turkeys out there in your field. Can I go hunt it? You know, pheasants. Yeah, everything. Running dogs, yeah. Yep. But now they just changed it where uh, you don't have to post it. You, 
you post it, all you have to do is go online and post it on a specific website and it lists properties that don't allow hunting. I'm sure that coincides with uh, Onyx. Yeah. I don't know if they... Because I'm going to tell you that I, I, I love Onyx. Me and you use it all the time. Uh, I use yours. Yeah. And Willie's. <laughs> I'm cheap. Leave me alone. Right. I mean, yeah, there's... Yeah, I use Onyx. But, but the thing about Onyx is, like, this property, for instance, is still listed as the owner from, I think it's like five years ago now. Yeah. It takes a while to update, you yeah, know, yeah. so I feel like if you... And I think it, they put more of their eggs you know, in the basket for the Western, you know, what is geared towards. And like I, we, talking to the game wardens out West, you know, they said they use on X like we do, you mm-hmm. know? Well, it's easier than having a Atlas marked out with all the different landowners labeled on there and carry a big ass book or a Well, I'm just saying if, if somebody goes to the, this website and lists it as private, I mean, what are the chances of somebody that's hunting out there actually going to that particular website as opposed to just pulling up on X and how how often does on X update that stuff is my question. Right. Yeah, I don't know on that. I do know they're planning on uh, uh, um, adding South Dakota. Um, I don't know. Sorry. Go Hunt's going to add South Dakota this year. Say, I thought on X was already all 50. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all 50. Go Hunt's adding South Dakota this year. So on X is all 50 and I have that plan. <clears throat> But it still makes you select a, like like what five I think five or I forgot how much like eight states or something like you you get to select them, and I'm assuming if you're in another state you can still view it. But like maybe I just had to download those off the bat. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've had it forever, so I don't know. I, mean, I just thought that was weird. I'm like I thought I got all fifty. I turned. Why, I turned. Why, why am I picking and choosing here? So and maybe you can only have that many um, selected. Offline. For your offline, I was just gonna say it might be for the offline option. I don't know. I never looked into it. I'm constantly deleting, you know, my offline maps, and or just to speed up the app, I'll make sure I only have the the state and Mm -hmm. the layers on that I'm actually there just to speed it up. A little little hack. I mean, you could definitely you get that free version. Um, even if you don't have the property lines on X, is still extremely valuable, especially like out west. You know, the only difference is you don't see the property lines. So if you you still get all the topography and everything. Yeah, and you can still yeah. use the tools and the waypoints and stuff. So very, very important. But it is frustrating when you can't tell where the lines are. We were when we were out in Montana driving around trying to find a spot to hunt. That's only if you care about getting caught for trespassing, Bert. We do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, I used to navigate with the paper maps, and it's oh, you know paper shoot. map and a compass. Yeah, how long you? How long have you? When did you start networking the outdoors? I mean, I just recently made it official last year. Okay. But, I mean, I've been doing it, I don't know, 10 years or so. So. That's a long time for a yeah. side hustle, buddy. So, what? So what is, like. <laughs> it's still a side hustle. It doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> so, like, what is your, if you don't mind saying, like, your personal annual cost? And, like, and coupled with that, what would you. Like, how so, much How much do I spend applying? And, and points implying and then what like there what do you what do you spend and what would you suggest like somebody should set aside for an annual budget so that's just starting to get into it yeah um i don't know how much i spend a year um probably too much then yeah (laughs) um yeah it's kind of one of those things i don't know but i don't want to know um but like most of the points like we were talking will cost you 
some of them you do. You said you had to get the to apply. You have to put the full price. Yeah, of the you have to. You have to. Um, <clears throat> you have to front that cost. So, like last year, um, I mean, I had over fifteen thousand dollars in applications for just Ooh, New Mexico. I don't feel so bad about what I spend on beer and whiskey anymore. But I mean, <laughs> I I get like it's a hell of a contrast there. I'm trying to think. <laughs> you know, I get more than nine, I got more than ninety nine percent of that back. Mm. Um. But I mean, the reason it was so high is um, I put my son in for a bighorn sheep tag, which is over three thousand um, dollars. I put myself in for one over three thousand dollars. You know, then uh, we both put in for Oryx, which is sixteen hundred and some dollars. You know, it. Where were you? Where Where can you hunt Oryx at? New Mexico. Okay. They have um. They have well more than two hunts. They have an offer. They have a uh, the missile range. Uh, which is oh, okay. you can hunt them there, okay. then you can hunt off range, and the off range hunt is they have a hunt um, every month. I totally forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. So New Mexico. I mean, you can hunt, and we put in for ibex, which is another sixteen hundred and some dollar tag in New Mexico. Um, they have Audad. Okay. Uh, they have actually have some Himalayan so, tar. Do you uh, do you by chance know Andrew Rockwell? I think we need to hook you two up. I would say I, I feel like a dual episode coming in. Yeah, I think you guys need to, to get together. He does, uh, he consults for Wild Wildebeest Safaris. Yep. Okay. And it's way more affordable than what you would think. Yeah. He said if you can afford a guided elk hunt in North America, you can afford to go to Africa and shoot, what do you say, like six animals? Three. Oh, yeah. Three Africa animals. is one of the most underrated hunts out there. There's good hunts and there's bad hunts. I filmed over there. And what? What? Yeah, you skipped over that part. I mean, I. Yeah, I, I <laughs> <laughs> you said you went from the the guy that kisses fish to, to Africa. Yeah, I spent thirty days in Africa, filming a month. Yeah, sounds like a prison sentence when you say it like that. Yeah, it's it's a different culture. <laughs> um, luckily, I was there with. I shouldn't say luckily. Um, didn't have a bad experience. Um, but I was there filming an individual. Um, that's pretty well off. He travels the world. He travels the world hunting. Um, he's sponsored by Matthews. Um, I'm not sure if he still is or not. Um, but, um, I filmed him bunches of times, but yeah, we spent, uh, I spent 30 days over there. A buddy of mine spent 30 days with him down in, uh, Mexico hunting, uh, desert sheep with his bow. So did you get to hunt anything when you were down there? No. No, no, or over there. But I mean, we those five star accommodations. You know, it's yeah, that's what Andrew was saying. You get treated like a king when you're over there. Yeah, gotta watch how much you tip. That was a really cool episode. You guys want to check that out? I mean, we need to have him back on anyways because he was going down to Texas to do some hog hunting and all kinds of stuff. Matter of fact, he just reached out to me. Well, Um, he went back to Africa too. Yeah, so we definitely need to get. We should definitely when we have him on bring you with. If you're down be, for it. Yeah, that'd be we could probably have this conversation off mic, but I feel like that'd be a really good episode. I mean, yeah, my my next hunting goal, some of my hunting goals, like I want to hunt all six continents. Um Okay. So and are you including, some of that stuff's not as say it. Are you including New Zealand and continents? Yep. Okay. Well, not in a continent, but I will hunt New Zealand. I'll do a DIY hunt over there. Okay. Um in 25, I'm not sure where we're going yet. Uh, my son graduates high school. Uh, we're going to probably to Romania hunting. Good Lord. Um, for, for he, he really wants to hunt uh, roebuck. 
Which what is a roebuck? So they're small deer. They're they're not they don't have very big antlers, but they grow really close together and basically come up in like crown kind of like two or three points. Are those the ones that still have the little fangs on no, them? No, that's the Chinese okay. water deer. Okay. Yeah. Well, like elk still have uh, the ivory. Some have ivories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not sharp though. The the Chinese water deer, if it's yeah, they have like the they have like, fang, like yeah, canines. They, they actually look like they will suck your blood. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna go to I think I think um, Poland or Poland, Ireland or Romania, hunt roebuck and either follow or stag. And then in twenty six, I'm going over to Asia. To hunt ibex, that's like my ultimate bucket list hunt. I can go to ibex. I can go to Asia, fly, you know, pay for the hunt, fly and get there and back cheaper than I can go to Alaska and do a moose or a doll sheep hunt. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You just got to be okay with a twenty-six hour flight and SARS. <laughs> it's, it means yeah. Wow. It's, it's I've I've never been over there, so it's a different. I know it's a different world. Um, you know. What I keep getting told is they're on a different, t- like, they don't worry about time. You know, they're on a different time schedule, so to speak. They're down in a hurry. But, yeah. Okay. Kind of like my old boss. <clears throat> Only that he wasn't in a hurry and didn't care about time. <laughs> um, You got anything else on that before we do questions? I mean, you went with the corner crossing, and then we kind of jumped into the fact that you you filmed in Africa. With you, I feel like I know who, but we're going to talk about that later. I want to save a lot of the African conversation for when. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will. Because I feel like we can get down a real bumpy road if we stay there right now. Um, This is true. Okay. So do we want to do this before we go into questions or we want to do that after? Can't reach your name yet, ready? Oh, okay. That's a W. All right. I thought it was a. Ah, never mind. <laughs> I I do write like a. Never mind. I'm not even gonna say it anyway. What do you, do you want to cover that now, or you want to wait? You write like a doctor, Bert. Thanks. <laughs> you, you write like a, a doctor signing a prescription, buddy. Let me borrow your glasses for a picture. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Um the the CWD yes and. Sorry, guys. It's my reminder. You you couldn't even put it on vibrate. No, I did screw up. At anyway, least it was a turkey call. I, th- I thought there was a damn turkey on the deck. Right. Not the first time that would have happened. What are we doing? Are we talking about it? I mean, what did you want to get into? The That Canadian study that popped up on, I, I think Chris was the one that posted yeah. it. Yeah. And then I saw it and I'm like, oh, no, Bert's going to go off five minutes later. There it is. I was happened to be hunting for the early doe season, so yeah. I had plenty of time to sit down and make a make a nice long book of a comment. But um, so you were aware of the post. Yep. What's your take on that? I I don't want to say I care less about CWD, but it doesn't bother me. I feel like Chris posted that kind of as a joke. Or was he the one that posted it, or was I somebody so. else? Yeah, he posted. I mean, he posted it as a joke. You know, saying oh, the season's over. Um, like I said, not that CWD's not important. But it's uh, here's here. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I mean, I by your post, I know you've done a bunch of studies, and I've done tons and st- tons and tons of research on it myself. I, you know, obviously, I'm not a uh, 
uh, scientist on it, but none of us here are. No, um, like we're none of us are claiming to be. No, I mean it's, experts. It's on been this a, it's been around means. since the '60s. Uh-huh. Millions of people have probably eaten CWD infected deer and had no elk, idea. Had no idea. No side effects. Um, you know, it's and uh, I've seen some studies in areas where it's been around the most, um, like uh, West. In larger quantities, so parts of Wisconsin and Illinois, that it appears that some of those deer are becoming resistant to it, um, not contracting it till older ages, which is or living longer with it, which is great news. Which, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, it's you know, it's a like you you know you said in your post, you know, it's it's a prion, mm-hmm. um, and the way it's formulated, it can't it have to mutate to be able to transfer to humans. Um, what's frustrating, my biggest frustration is every time a state has it, they have, you know, they try to kill all the deer or greatly reduce the numbers where if, once it's in the soil, it's in the soil. Right. I mean, you, you so, don't get rid of it by getting rid of the animals. No, per se. no but what it's, I, what I feel like the states are doing is just trying to buy time for science because we don't know, we don't really understand this d- disease at all. Okay. I mean, all, all we really know is it's an amyloid protein prion disease. And That's part about of that, it. so like, I don't know, not try to get political because like, I don't, it sort of sounds like I'm not big, I hate even saying the word big government, but what I think what actually needs to happen is either the federal government or somebody needs to step in and because each state does their own studies, they don't yep. communicate their, and then their plans don't align with each other. You know, they're different. Um, let's, you know, as many states that it's been found in. You know, why can't we get together as a group and figure out, you know, is there a solution? Is there a cure for it? Is it something we don't, we just need to keep an eye on and not worry about? I 100% agree with you. 100% agree. And I feel like we need to fund this and let science do its thing. We need to let, you know, scientists discuss it. You know, you disagree. Okay, why? You know. Can I throw in my two cents on all that? Yes, go ahead. So I agree with you guys on waiting for the science as you said it appears some deer are becoming resistant to it which i have seen studies where like with the deer farms they're breeding for the resistance now to try and keep the animals from getting it that's great that's awesome as far as hunting regulations go i think they should stay focused on a healthy population let the people know hey there is like this minute chance that it might jump, but it's in the spinal fluid. It's in the brain tissue, the muscle tissue. You can't even test for it. You have to take a lymph node. Yep. So, you know, don't eat your neck roast with the bone in. If you shoot them in the neck, don't take the meat. Don't scoop the brains out and then stick your fingers in your mouth. Pretty basic, you know, hygiene That's rules. You do. Oh, well. <laughs> Not anymore. CWD is a thing. And, you know, so what irritates me about the articles of like, you know, Chris posted as a joke, but I actually, I wasn't irritated with Chris. I was irritated with the, the reporter or, or it was the, poorly the, written. Who, it was poorly written and it, clickbait. Clickbait. But well, how did it read? It basically said there's a zombie deer disease and now it can basically come to people or people can get it by eating venison. So now if anybody was on that on the fence about maybe wanting to give hunting a try. Like I want to, you know, especially since COVID, I feel like, you know, 
that happened quite a bit where people were like, you know, maybe I don't want to go to the damn grocery store to buy my beef. Maybe I want to buy a $20 tag and hit the woods. You know, oh, now I can get this disease that's going to kill me if I eat deer. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. And that's not that case at all. There has never been a proven case of CWD making a species jump into humans. That being said, there is a risk. The CDC suggests you don't eat it if it tests positive. And that being said, also, you said it's been around 60s, 70s? 60s. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, 60s. It was 1967, to be exact. Wyoming. In Wyoming. And they think it came from scrapies. Yep. The sheep were hanging out by the deer. It made a species jump then. So what chronic wasting disease is, is a TSC, which is transmissible spongiform encephalopathy, which it's it's a prion disease and basically means that one of the proteins in your brain gets disfigured and deformed. And then over time, all, everything around it starts doing the same thing. And it takes years. Is that them. what happened when you got hit in the head? That's exactly what happened. But it, it takes years for them to start showing any signs or symptoms. You know, so unless they were born with it. True. But that being said, say, well, shit, if it takes five years for them to start showing symptoms, a five-year-old deer is an old deer. You know, right. the I, likelihood of it getting killed by a hunter or a car or something else before then, it's pretty likely. In the meantime, say it's a hunter. The hunter eats the venison, doesn't have it tested because it didn't look sick. Like you said, there's probably been millions of people that have ingested the meat and had no idea. Now, the human version of CWD is called... Creutzfeldt Jakob's disease. There's m- multiple cases of that in humans all over the world. How are you going to prove that that came from eating infected meat? You'd have to do a study. That's never been done. No. So, but then right now, as far as I know about the barrier, the only thing I that I've read <coughs> and heard is the the protein loop is the only barrier. The shape of the loop. Between it being chronic wasting disease and Creutzfeldt Jakobs and making the jump. That's scary to think about because it's a flexible loop. Stop eating the bone in neck roast. And you're not wrong. I mean, you getting it, you ingesting it from the muscle muscle tissue, you would think would be highly unlikely. Because a lot of people are thinking, well, shit, you'll cook it out. It's a protein. It's not a disease. It's not a virus. It You can't kill it. You could neutralize it by soaking it in bleach for 30 minutes or getting it at 1,500 degrees or higher, which is the same temperature you melt glass. But so correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is it's not carried in the muscle tissue itself. You're right. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it seems like it would be highly unlikely and a lot of people are thinking you cook it out anyway. But because you're right, it's, it's in, in the lymph nodes, the, the neck – Right, it's through the the nervous system. But what I'm saying is, that being said, if they are positive and they're shedding infectious agent, that comes through their drool, it comes through their piss, and then it's in the soil. So it's it's transmitted as easily as that. So you think the muscle tissue from that animal must have it, right? So I don't know. If it doesn't, you get it when you rip out the trachea from the saliva. I Dude, I don't know. Like I said, I'm no, I'm no expert on it. I don't think anybody here is claiming to be, but well, I'm I'm gonna throw out there. You can watch me for a little while because uh, about five years ago, I guaranteed the doe I shot had it. She's about the only five year old I ever shot, and she was doing circles and all skinny and acting weird. We're gonna go to EHD in two seconds because I want to bring that up too. But before we leave CWD, I just want to mention that our last guest, Ben Balos, the taxidermist, he 
wanted me to specifically mention on this podcast that he is uh been trained to extract the lymph nodes and send in for testing for CWD, which is a big deal. Because around here, the closest place for us to go in southwest lower Michigan is, is what, Crane Pond? I thought it was Plainwell. I didn't think Crane Pond even accepted them. Okay, so Plainwell. Well, how far is Plainwell from right here? Like two hours. It's a ways. It's hour and, and you got to take two it, hours. And you got to take him your whole head. Yep. Or you pop down the bend, he can take the lymph node out, and you get your head back. Yep. And then they test him, and then, I mean, even if you don't want to know the results, it's... Still extremely important for the state to find out right. what's going on because, like, you just heard how transmissible it is. You know, if it's a, it, it can it can remain viable in the environment for a decade. Well, that's a you know decade. Some, some of those western states that have it, Wyoming, uh, Colorado, I think has it. Um, you can't bring uh, so you can't bring any of the spinal cords back. And if you're wanting to do a euro mount, so you say you shoot an elk and you're wanting to do a euro mount. You got um, you can't bring it back with the brain matter in it. You have to boil the skull there to get the get the brain matter out before you can leave the state line. Um, my my cow elk hunt it's up in uh, northwest Wyoming, um, and it's mandatory testing. We got to turn the uh, turn yep. the head in. It's mandatory check in. Um, that just reminded me. It's not for CWD, but mandatory check in for uh, in Michigan now for if you harvest your deer, which I actually got a chance to do this last weekend. For anybody that's wondering, extremely easy. Um, I have the app on my phone, the Michigan DNR app, so I just follow the links through there. Did it? Uh, they ask you a number of questions. You know, obviously what it was, uh, when you shot it, what'd you take it with. Uh, that's, I mean, that's pretty much about it. Is it just like? Did you shoot it with a gun, or did you shoot it with a bow, or did they get into caliber? Uh, not not so much about the weapon specifics, but I wish I would have wrote down what exactly the questions were. But I, I remember <clears throat> there was about five or six questions that I asked you. I just think that'd be hilarious. Somebody gets on there, yeah, yeah, shot it in Barron County, uh, 308. Uh, why is the DNR at my door? But it's pretty cool, because it looked like there was uh, almost 10,000 deer that were killed over the last two weekends. That's what you were saying. That's a <clears throat> lot of deer. Mm-hmm. I think they're on the the scare tactic right now. You know, the CWD has been proven in the state, and now they're like, oh, no, we're overpopulated, and we have CWD. We're I mean, this, give... it just goes to show how many deer are getting killed that nobody realized. Well, exactly. Well, know, and I had always heard, I mean, I'd never seen the numbers, but it was estimated that, like, every year Michigan kills half of its bucks. I believe that. That's a That's a bold statement. No, dude, I believe that. You know, I, I've seen just in our little area, I know how many have been killed around here in the last year. I mean, how many how many bucks do you, not even mature bucks, just bucks in general, do you think were taken off of this one block? A bunch. <clears throat> we heard of plenty of gunshots. I, say, I, I can't necessarily count yours because it didn't have balls, according That's to you. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It had horns, but it didn't have balls. That's true. Um. Damn it, you distracted me. I was going to go somewhere with He was married. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you should have taken the dough that was out there. No, it's first. Right. So I I think a lot of what the DNR is doing, I mean, obviously it's to collect data for a number of reasons, CWD being one of them. But, like, you know, another thing to take into account is EHD, which is up by Nuego right now. I'm sure you guys saw all those posts on your page. Hemorrhagic disorder. Yeah. Disease disorder, whatever. So that's, that's a, I think, in my opinion, that's a bigger deal 
than TV. yeah i think it is it, it as far as directly affecting the deer population 100 yeah. my only thing with cwd is the human risk factor ehd will wipe out a deer herd right now well quickly how long ago was it uh michigan had that real bad outbreak it was back in 2011 because that was the year I shot my 11 point hanging in the other room because I it never we had a drought that year because that's how that's what happens right is that the that's the one everyone confuses with blue tongue it's the same thing same thing yeah, okay same thing it passed by a midge yep. yep biting midge yep drought drought or the water recedes midge comes out from the mud bites the deer say, and it's a like family, 70, a family 72 friend hours had, yeah a family friend had a cabin um, over by Battle Creek and um, you know this nine acres pond. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even go to their cabin that summer because it reeked so bad. There was like 13 dead deer floating in their pond. Uh, was... The year we were just talking about 2011, uh, Eric Riley, who I took my deer to that year to have done, was telling me, he's like, dude, I have, he said he had like 120 acres he was hunting. And he said, dude, there was snow on the ground for almost three whole days. He's like, I, I drove by and even got out and looked with binos and there wasn't even a set of tracks in the snow. And he, I think he shot his deer, but it was rough, rough go at it. My uncle up, uh, God damn it, I'm drawing a little blank on where he's at, but uh, I have a brain fart. <clears throat> but basically, he said he was trying to, to do the corn, you know, to harvest the corn. And he kept having to stop to pull dead deer out of the way. Because there was, I mean, there was like five or six in per field. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember not uh, not for hunting per se. I mean, I was a wee tot in 2011. I was only 16. But... Anytime I went fishing down by Hickory Creek or the St. Joe River or anything in the summer, man, there was deer on the bank every time. Every time mm-hmm. I went down there, there was at least one deer. Because that's what happens, right? They they start hemorrhaging and then they want to get they to get water. Really they really get really hot. They get really hot when they want to get to water, right? Yep. So you always find them dead by creeks and ponds. And It's like when you're drunk and your body temp goes up, you just start chugging water. Or you should. Right, right. Um. Anybody got anything else before we do questions? Because we're running over an hour right now. No, no, you're good. You can make me look like an idiot. It's fine. Get these out of the way before my uh, mouth doesn't want to work anymore. I don't even remember what you told so, me the topic was. So it's fine. I didn't. I didn't tell you the to- Oh, earlier. I didn't tell you ahead of time, though, to study. Yeah, no, you're like, yeah, show up at 530 and surprise, hey, there's questions. Just, you know, uh, following part or me being, uh, being on par here, I got my questions done three minutes before you pulled in my driveway. So, And I was late. But these, these are uh, more along the lines about conservation and licensing. Okay. All right. You're both playing. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. Question one. Which state has the most public land available? A, Idaho. B, Alaska. C, Texas. D, Nevada. What was the verdict on the... The Alaska closing off that like million acre section. <laughs> Fucking Alaska. You're going. You're going. I'm going Alaska. B? What are you going with? Yeah, I'm not, depending on how it rules on that. I was going to say Nevada. Nevada is like eighty percent public land. Are you, so are you going Nevada? Yeah. All right. It's the Alaska. Nevada was two. I think Nevada was two, and then it was Idaho. And I just threw Texas in there because I'm an asshole. Uh, yeah, because Texas doesn't have public land. Like 2%. <laughs> yeah, it's got like the lease. Yeah. It? Yep. <laughs> That's funny. They, they pretty much don't have it. Oh, just a reminder, everybody, for these questions, make sure you study up and check the other episodes out because I think I'm going to pull one question from every episode. 
okay. to do for the trivia for the giveaway at the Big Buck Contest. What are the dates on that, TJ? <laughs> January. January 26th. 20, 26th? No. 1st or 6th. I can't remember. 20, it's in January. And 13th we're gonna, or the 21st? I don't remember. I think it's the okay. 21st. January 21st, 5 to 8. What the hell do I got to do on the 26th? I don't know. Hope it's not important. I got a doctor's appointment on the 26th of this month. Anyway. So, yeah, yeah, there's Alaska. Alaska offers the most abundant amount of public land in the United States coming in at over 271 million acres of open hunting land. That is almost 75% of the entire state. And it's the biggest state. Good job. Was that your next question? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We're going geography, too. Right, yeah, this is not geography class. All right, question two. When was the first law containing a non-resident license provision passed? <laughs> A, 1873, B, 1872, C, 1890, D, 1889. When was the first law containing a non-resident license provision passed? 72. You're both wrong. It was 1873. According to GoHunt.com, the first law containing a non-resident license provision was likely was passed in 1873. Oh, you skipped over the likely part? I think that was a typo because that doesn't even make sense. Provision was likely to pass. The first law containing a non-resident license provision was passed in 1873 in New Jersey under the title, An Act to Incorporate the West Jersey Game Protective Association. This act stipulated that non-residents were required to procure a membership certificate before hunting. The membership fee was a fixed amount of $5 for the first year, $2 a year thereafter. It it was these certificates that essentially became non-resident licenses. So it wasn't actually a license. But it led to, right? It was the first law or act containing non-resident provisions. I'm just giving you shit, dude. I guessed early anyways. So don't make me say it again. There's a lot of big words in there. (laughs) Okay, say it again. Shut up. For the people in the back. (laughs) All right, question three. What was the first state to implement restrictions to the killing of deer in 1895? A, Indiana. B, Wisconsin. C, Michigan. D, North Dakota. What was the first state to implement restrictions to the killing of deer in 1895? Basically, the start of regulation. So, was the first state to implement So, that was the first state of all 50 we currently have that did yes. it? Or, like, what was the first state ever to implement restrictions of the killing of deer? In what year? 1895. Indiana, Wisconsin, How Michigan, in North Dakota. How the hell is the first regulation in 1895 and the first license for out-of-state hunters in 1873? That's right. That's non-licensed hunters. This is regulations, just basic restrictions, like bag limits oh, and whatnot. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes more sense, Bert. Thank you for clarifying. I was very confused. Well, thank you for making me clarify so now the listeners are informed. So Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan, or North Dakota? Indiana. I guess Michigan. Bingo. Michigan, 1895. So the same article from GoHunt.com says it wasn't until 1895 when Michigan took measures to restrict the killing of deer that a system of general resident resident hunting licenses appeared. 
Michigan legislation stipulated that residents would be charged a nominal fee of 50 cents, while a non-resident would be charged $25 to procure a license for the hunting year. A year later, Hawaii passed a law establishing the the $5 hunting license. And then 1897, Wisconsin introduced their legislation. Then North Dakota, Maine, South Dakota, Nebraska, and other states started to follow along. Hold up, hold up. Did you just say non-resident started cheaper than resident? No. No. So I heard that backwards. Yeah, you yeah. did. Nominal okay. fee of 50 cents while non-residents were charged $25. See, even back in 1800s. No, non, non, non-residents were charged how much? $25. Oh, dollars. I thought you said cents. No, no. No, but yeah, 1895, that was when they were on this kick to start to regulate, you know, your bag limits and everything else. So then they're like, okay, so if you want to hunt, you got to pay 50 cents for this tag. That allows you one deer or whatever. Right. Right. No, this is just weird because I have headphones on this time that work so I can hear you and I actually don't feel like I have to pay attention. Whereas before, <laughs> I had to listen. <laughs> you still should be listening. Eh. All right. That's a matter of opinion. This is kind of a this is kind of a layup ish because I know you know about this. Good because as of right now, I mean, I think we each have two. I think he's got one. He's got he's got two. I've got two, but we each missed one. Well, no, because no, there was only two. There was only three questions. Yeah, he, we each, got <laughs> one. each missed one. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Question four. What year was the Lacey Act enacted? A, 1899, B, 1901, C, 1898, D, 1990. Or, I'm sorry, 1900, not 1990. Wait, go, go through those again. 1900, 1898, 1901, or 1899? The Lacey Act. 1901. Man, you're off. 1900. You're so close. What? The Lacey Act was enacted in 1900 to prevent hunters from illegally killing game in one state and escaping prosecution by crossing state lines. It has evolved into a law that prohibits import, export, transport, purchase, or sale of species. Then that action would violate state, federal, or tribal, or foreign law. Was that when it was passed or enacted? Enacted. How the fuck am I off on that? I don't know, but now I'm pissed off because I didn't put the... I, who wrote that? Man, I... Or what article I got it from. I just listened to an article about that at work the other day. I guarantee you that's right, though, because I did, like, triple check that. I believe you. I'm just wondering if I listened to something that had the wrong information in it. <clears throat> was this podcast, entirely was it? possible. <laughs> no, it wasn't this podcast, No. All right, question five. It was one of the other random ones you sent me. All right, so this one's kind of tough, and I was really stretching for a fifth question, so keep that in mind. (laughs) Which one of these conservationists was quoted as saying, or conservationists, I'm sorry, which one of these conservationists was quoted as saying, quote, we abuse land because we see it as a commodity belonging to us. When we see land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. A. Aldo Leopold. B. Teddy Roosevelt. C. Charles Darwin. D. Stephen Rinella. It's a tough one. You want me to read the quote again? No, no, no. It was uh, Leopold. Damn. You guys aced that. <laughs> Good job. You didn't see me smile when you read it? No, that's impressive. <laughs> I wouldn't have known that. Good job, man. Yeah, it was Aldo Leopold. Thanks, Stephen Rinella, for that one. Well, 
Has he, has he talked about he, that quote before? He See, quoted I, him, dude. See, I try, I try not <laughs> to. I've heard it. <laughs> I was going to use the womb of time one. The what? The, the when he, he He's quoted uh, Teddy Roosevelt multiple times talking about, you know, oh. preserving, you know, the, our lands for the ones who are in the womb of time. I was like, I guarantee you he's going to get that one. No, dude. He, he said that on... <laughs> I feel bad. I went back and listened because I, I got pissed off at work and usually listening to outdoor podcasts calm me down. So I've been going back and listening to like the episodes from a year and a half, two years ago. And it just happened to be that one last week that I listened to. He quoted Are you, that. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. Because I know, he, I know he quotes Teddy all the time and occasionally Leopold. But uh, so I try not to listen to him anymore since we do our podcast because I like I find myself personally – well, subconsciously pulling shit that they say. And I, I'll, I do it as a check so that we don't to try and prevent it. No, which I appreciate that too. But I'm talking like literal, like, you know, like little, little shit that they say, like catchy shit, you know, like yeah. how Ronella calls everybody mugs, for instance. <clears throat> I haven't even caught on to that. Yeah, I did because I caught myself saying it to people before and I'm like, no. And when, when I was doing RFF, so. I don't listen to them anymore, and especially I, I shouldn't say anymore. I do listen to them, but I only listen to them when I know we're not recording that week. Dude, I have my and then I'll, I'll just like I'll just like binge. I'll just listen to like six of them in a day, and then I have uh, my headphones in for eight hours a day. There's multiple podcasts that get played. Rogan music gets you, loud. You need to get on Rogan. I'm telling you. You listen to Rogan? Turn me into more of a conspiracy theorist. I I, I listen to some of his stuff. So um, at work. Don't don't take this the wrong way, but at work, myself, like, I have a thinking job, and I can't focus on what I'm thinking about and listen to other, like, try to focus to listen to other people talk. Like, now driving down the road, yeah, I'll listen to, you know, uh, him and well, Jordan Peterson or, you know, but nope. yeah, Rogan, and selective on which ones I have, because he's very neutral on a lot of his stuff, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I like a lot of his stuff. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I enjoy the the diversity of guests, you know. Yeah. I get that thinking part though. Like that I know that no offense, like when my hood's down and I'm welding, there ain't no goddamn thinking going on inside that right. head other uh, dip, I was, dip, I was gonna dip, say dip, like, dip. I feel like we both also have thinking jobs, but there's times where we don't need to think. Oh. Like when I'm painting. Ninety percent of the day I don't have to think. Time. But as soon as I run into a problem, everything comes off and I'm up in the office like, why? Why did you like you guys are supposed to be the smart ones. Why am I fixing your mistake? Right. What I, what I find weird about myself though is like there you know even when I'm like framing something out, you know, and I'm doing measurements and I'm focused on what I'm doing, I'll still have a podcast going sometimes mm. though. I can't I, do a I, podcast. And I hate it because I'm but, like they'll hear I'll hear them talk about something. I'm like but well, I'm not, wait, I'm not how listening. How do we get on this? When did we? And but I'm not listening. That's what I was just going to say. I'm not even paying attention. I just I'm hearing people talk, I guess, just makes me feel better. That's right. Li- yeah, I just listen music. to music all day. Yeah. Well, I, well, I work by myself. It's when we do music so do I, all but... day, every day. So I guess sometimes, I don't know if it's like just hearing other people talk, I guess, just makes me feel like I. Having a conversation in the field, you feel like you're talking to somebody and you're not just this creepy dude talking to himself in the middle of a cornfield. I'm only in the middle of a cornfield right now because I'm building somebody a blind, which, by the way, anybody wants a custom made blind. Hit up Rough Custom Carpentry. Send me a message. Uh, I cannot wait to post those pictures when it's done. It's going to be a beast. Eight yeah. by six. Eight feet up in the air. Oh, just to let uh, you know, I, I can't insulated. make you a metal platform for cheaper than you can do wood. No, I didn't think so. No, no. The price of metal has went through the freaking oh, roof. Steep, steep oh, did it? Really it's crazy. It's right? up like 400%. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, Biden. So uh, when you when you tell me I need to advertise for my own shit for making things like I did for your grill and your truck and all your other your trapping stuff and whatnot, like you're doing right now, good job. Yeah. No, you <laughs> you don't understand that the fact that I have the job I have means I can do things for my buddies. But as soon as I start making monetary gains on that, I'm gonna have to charge people like 300 percent more than what I charge you. And there's people that'll pay it. Yeah. Well, I maybe not for a, a piece of shit grill it. That's half anyway, but there's stuff you do that you can fabricate. This is true. So, anyway, anybody got anything else? Oh, I forgot to mention, before we shut it off, should we talk about me getting sprayed by the skunk quickly? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he decided to shoot a skunk the one day he got to hunt? So, on this on this platform I was just talking about, the platform's done, and it was early doe season last weekend. Waylon, my kid, is, born, is going to be born here, like, any day now. Uh... So I'm like, oh, for should sh- I go poke her in the belly and see if he pops out? Let me see if she doesn't punch you first. But I'm she probably <laughs> would. But I'd take the hit. She's uh, yeah, she's ready to be done. But anyway, I wanted to get some red meat in the freezer, so I participated this year in early dough. Uh, so I sat on the platform. And it, w- it was just I didn't I wasn't seeing shit other than a skunk came out, and it was four feet from me. But I'm eight feet up in the air, you know. And all I had was that three fifty. Yeah. It, well, here's the thing. I would have let it go and wouldn't have worried about it, except for the fact that Hustler, our dog, has been hit at least twice by the skunk. And they dig, and it's just, I mean, we got horse, there's 30-some horses out there. It's just not a good situation. It's like having a groundhog. And on top of that, the owner of that property that's hiring me to make the blind is uh, planning on releasing a bunch of pheasants, like, now, like this week or something. And he wants to get a breeding population, and everybody that knows anything about birds know that skunks eat eggs. Fast forward, the thing's right in front of me, and I, I center punched it from four feet away with a three fifty. And one thing I didn't take into account is it's like a like when you shoot a bear and they try to like reach back and bite. It did that and curled up its ass when it sprayed when I shot it. Like this all happened in half a second. It like curled its ass and sprayed when I shot him. See, this is why oh. I film hunt, so. <laughs> <laughs> you film it from the tree next to the platform when you can go, <laughs> idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it definitely got me. Uh, my pregnant fiance wasn't very pleased. Uh, That's the first thing I said to you. Uh, well, At least pregnancy knows is going to kick you in the well, ass. Well, the conversation went something along the lines of, oh, my God, why would you shoot a skunk? Why wouldn't I shoot a fucking skunk? Then it then then smell really started fucking sinking. I'm like, oh shit, that's why you wouldn't shoot a skunk. Well, and then I was text- texting you, Mike, and he's like, I would just leave it lay, man. And I was like, eh, I already kind of feel bad because I did look, it looked like cute little shit, you know. As I said, so do baby raccoons, right? But they're little assholes. Well, so he looked cute, shot him, uh, but I, I, I don't like like. To just kill and leave and not do anything with it. Oh, so I, I was gonna, that. I was going to take it back and at least skin it out and have a nice little ornament for in here. And then I, and then I walked up to it right about when Pete showed up on the floor or the side by side. Which by I was hunting Pete. <laughs> You're supposed to text a dude to let him know before you just drive on out there. But <laughs> drives on up right when I, I pick it up from the bushes. Which by the way, skunks have a really thick tail base. I don't, know, I don't know how many skunks you picked the up. The fact that you grabbed it by the asshole where they spray. It was really makes my me only question your intelligence. It was in the weeds. It was honest to God like my only option. I grabbed it by the by the tip of no, the tail and I, I thought I, that was a I, worse I, option than right by the base. You could have just left it in the weeds. That wasn't a viable no, option. No, no, no. 
I couldn't leave it by the weeds because it was literally right in front of the blind where I'm going to be working tomorrow. I think that would have been the funnier option. Of course you would. Dick. But anyway, got Come sprayed. home, get your grill tongs, grab it by the head, then, you know, throw away the tongs, throw away your clothes. Anyway, the funniest part of that was just watching Pete dry heave. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, does anybody got anything else before we close this out? No, we've established that you shoot shit you shouldn't. I think that's about it. TJ, plug your business one more time. So, where, do, where do they get a hold of you? Uh, you can get a hold of me on Facebook or have a website, networkingoutdoors.com. Send you a message. Send me a message, yep. Gotcha. All right, everybody. TJ, thanks for so much for coming yeah, up. Thanks again. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right, that is a wrap. So if you guys are thinking about heading out west, look them up at networkingtheoutdoors.com and let them help you get started on booking your first western hunt. Next episode, we got Josh and I just talking about our bow seasons and just shooting the breeze. Uh, my kids do any minute now, so we don't know when we're going to record again. So uh, we're going to try to sneak that one in before Waylon shows up. Uh, as always, all music and artwork is done by the Shane Yoder, and all editing is done by yours truly, Brent Ruff. And remember, if you guys want sweatshirts or hats, make sure you guys get a hold of me. Uh, it's a bulk order, order thing, so once we get enough, we'll put it in order. But uh, So get a hold of me ASAP. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later.